Let's all turn in the scripture to Romans. Romans chapter 1 and the 15th verse. Romans 1, 15. Spirit of God through Paul says, as much as in me is. What does that mean? With everything that's in me. I am ready to preach the gospel with everything that's in me. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say it out loud. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is that true? Why would he say that? Why would he say I'm not ashamed? He wouldn't bring it up. If it wasn't an issue. Right? Right? Have you ever been tempted. To be ashamed. Oh yeah you have. To be intimidated. To be embarrassed. To feel. Out of place. Because those who don't. Believe the gospel. Will mock. And ridicule. And try to shame. Oftentimes those who do. Have you experienced this? Do you know this? See, there are millions of people that think you and I are just poor, ignorant folk (laughs) that need the crutch of religion. And if we just had a decent education and would embrace the realities of science, we could get free from all this mythology and religion. You know, there's a lot of people on the planet, they they believe, and they're partially right, that religion is the problem. If they could just get rid of all the religion, we could get straightened out. And they're partially right about all the religions. But knowing the master is not being religious. It's reality. And it's relationship. And it's real. Not religion, not dead, not tradition. But uh, there has been and there will be this push to subdue, to intimidate, to shame. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this. And you ought to say it again for good measure. Say, I am not not ashamed ashamed of of the gospel of Christ. He went on to say, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, if you don't believe it and you don't receive it, it's not power to you. But if you'll believe it and you'll receive it, it is the power of God that saves. Whew. (laughs) Did you know, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but did you know we're supposed to live and be willing to die for the gospel? Did you know that? We're supposed to be willing to give up anything, do anything, go anywhere for the gospel's sake. Did you know this? Are you glad you're saved this morning? Do, Do you believe your name is in the Lamb's book of life? How did you get saved? So it's because of what Jesus 
did. He went to the cross. Yes, but if you had never heard the good news about that, you would not have been saved. How did you get saved? You heard. Come on. Can you remember the day? Can you remember the time? Do, do you remember? Where you were. When you heard the gospel and you thought. Oh. Can it be true. That he did that for me. That he really loves me. And you believed it. And you acted on it. And old things passed away. And all things became new. And you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. The gospel did that for you. How many think everybody on this planet ought to hear the gospel. And receive the gospel. That's our job. That's our job. That's what the buildings are about. And the TV cameras and the materials and the TV time and the satellite and the boats and airplanes and books. That's what it's about. Is somebody hearing the gospel. If that's not happening, then it's in vain. We're missing the point. But it is happening. I said it is happening. And the Lord's going to take it to a whole other level, I believe. More and more hearing. Somebody said out loud, millions. Millions here in the gospel. Thank you, Lord. It is the power of God unto salvation. And he said, I'm not ashamed of it. And we choose the same thing. We're not. Go to Luke, the fourth chapter, and notice this. Luke chapter four. Jesus had been tempted for those 40 days and nights in the wilderness, and he came out having overcome every temptation. And the Bible said he came out in the power of the Spirit. He went into the synagogue and he took the the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to do what? He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now you'll find as he goes through this, he's talking about something specific to a specific group. In phrase after phrase. Keep reading. He has sent me to heal who? If you're broken hearted, you need to be healed. And to preach deliverance to the captives. If you're in captivity, you need to be delivered. And recovering of sight to the blind. Amen. If you can't see, you need to see. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. Bruised also means crushed. And includes the idea of... uh, you know, having shackles and bondage. If that's the case, you need to be liberated. Yes. Set free. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh, we've had people uh, criticize us, try to shame us for preaching healing, for preaching prosperity, saying, we don't preach all that. They say, we just preach the gospel. I've had people tell me that. I've had people write ugly grams 
Send them to me. We don't believe in all that stuff. All that faith stuff. All that healing stuff. All that prosperity stuff. We just preach the gospel. And they say the only message. That's the only message that's important. Is that he saves. If you're lost you need to be saved. Had a fellow about fall out of his chair. When he said the most important message. Everybody agrees. Is that Jesus saves. And if you're lost you need to be saved. I said I disagree. He looked at me like I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Heresy. I said not if you're already saved. If you're lost going to hell. Then without question. The most important message for you. Is get born again. But if you've been born again. For 15 years. And you know for sure your name's in the last book of life. And you got you new losing no sleep over that. But you can't pay your bills. There's another message. That you need to hear. If you save. If you can pay your bills. But you're so sick you can't leave the house. You need to hear something else. Don't you? Good news. Good news. There is something else in the gospel. Hallelujah. Jesus said he sent me, he's anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Now what is the gospel to the poor? (laughs) Y'all are just like that first group. Jumping ahead, getting my punchline, and I like it. I like it. Excellent. But we're not through. We got a ways to go in this, and I want you to hook with me. And you know how we do around here. We're getting started today, but we'll camp out on this and. And we'll look under every rock and we'll turn over every branch right until we get fully persuaded in the word. And we know what we believe and why we believe it and become strong and not let anybody shame us or intimidate us or confuse us about what we believe. They shouldn't be influencing us. We should be influencing them. And when you are so sure. Even if people don't like it, it makes them wonder, how can they be so sure? They'll think about it at night and go, they just seem so sure. Because <laughs> you are. Because <laughs> if they hadn't found the truth, they are not sure. No matter if they think they are, they're they not okay. Gospel means good news. It means good tidings of good things. It's translated the good message. And we see, if you look back through that same, that 18th verse, put it up again, please. You see specific. What's the good news to the crushed and bruised? Liberty belongs to you. Freedom. What's the good news to the blind? Sight belongs to you. What's the good news to the captives? Deliverance belongs to you. What's the good news to the brokenhearted? Healing belongs to you. What's the good news to the poor? You don't have to go to hell. No. See that's. That's not consistent with the rest of the passage. Thank God you don't have to go to hell. But that should say good news to the lost. 
good news to the poor is God in his sovereignty has seen fit that some people not be blessed with a lot of material things. But that really doesn't matter. And there is there's really disproportion here. Some people have a lot of nice stuff and enjoy a comfortable life. And we don't understand it, but God has seen fit for others not to. And uh, they'll be blessed in the sweet by and by. But in the rotten here and now, (laughs) it's just not very good. But if it's your lot in life, then you need to bear it with strength and nobility. Now you, uh, (laughs) you don't like that. And I'm glad you don't. But you do understand millions of church-going people believe some version of that. Do you know that? Millions do. They believe that, you know, if God had wanted me rich, I guess he'd have made me rich. But he didn't, so I'm not. So he must have some purpose in it. And we don't understand it. But I just need to uh, bear my cross. It's part of my lot in life. (laughs) You don't even like hearing that, do you? (laughs) You do understand you are the minority big time in the world believing that's not right. Millions of good Saved church going people believe different versions of that. They do. And it, it goes further than that. Millions of good saved people, they have an aversion to expensive things. And exclusive and nice things, and it makes them mad. People that sit up in church and say, Hallelujah. It makes them mad if somebody spent a bunch of money on something or if it's super exclusive or super nice. And they scoff and they hiss and they go, ah, what a waste, what a waste. And they get all holier than thou and go, boy, we could have used that money for the missionaries and and we could have used that money to preach the gospel and feed people and it's just a shame it's a shame (laughs) shame and a disgrace well now again you know you're talking about millions of people and there is still to this day there are remnants large and small of this thing that some way or another there's good qualities about being poor. That somewhere or that being poor shows a superior spirituality because you really you're not materialistic, you don't care about all that stuff, and it really is an indication of being closer to God. I'm telling you, there's remnants of this all over the place. 
Is it true? We need to make up our mind. Is being poor good? Is it sometimes good? Are you sure? (laughs) There's a lot of people believe there are. You hear people tear up and think they're having a spiritual experience going, you know, I... It was only when I hit rock bottom and lost everything that I had that I got to God and thank God and he became real to me. You hear how quiet it got? So then there was something good about being broke and hitting the bottom. Right? All it means is that you were hard-headed and stubborn. And it took that to get through your thick skull. (laughs) And you can't even blame God for that. The wages of sin and rebellion is death and problem and destruction. Truth is, you could have repented the first time he said something to you and got it fixed. I grew up in some poverty. I come from generations of poverty. And I am not convinced that anything I learned, I couldn't have learned in more comfortable settings. Huh? We got to make up our mind now. Is poverty good or bad? Are you sure? Now, there are people on the planet that don't have enough food to keep them alive. That's the extreme of poverty. But there are varying degrees of it, all back up along the way. There are people, they're eating good, but they don't have enough money to sustain their house or to do stuff that they need to do. Well, that's a lesser degree of the same thing. If it's evil when a person is starving... It's evil in a lesser amount when you just can't pay a bill. It's the same evil stuff. And you need to be against it. In every form and degree and fashion. But if you're against nice stuff, that's the opposite of being against poverty. Don't be against expensive things. Be against lack. Be against people in need. Now we need mind renewal. We need revelation. Don't assume you've heard all this and you've got all this. We need to make progress. I believe the Lord is dealing with us. I believe he'd bring us up to another level of ability and capability. But here's the truth. Here's reality. What what we believe right now is either bringing good things to us or it's keeping good things away from us. And sadly, with so many Christians, what they believe is keeping healing away from them. What they believe is keeping being filled with the Spirit away from them. What they believe is keeping prosperity away from them. Because they believe junk. They believe lies that have been preached over pulpits for generations. 
that have been contrary to the word all along. But when you hear something all your life and you hear it in church, you think it's true. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The good news. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Master. Let's just thank him for a minute for the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that makes us free. The truth. Setting us free from all this tradition and junk and misconceptions. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Matthew, please. The sixth chapter. Matthew 6, this thing has grown on me. I can't get it all out today, what I got here, but that's good. It's supposed to grow, it's supposed to increase. But it's not just getting all the details, it's getting the spirit of it. Any wrong stuff, any remnants of junk in you from your past, do you want to get rid of it? Do you want to get it out of it? You got to see it first. Got to identify it and see it. And I'm telling you, there is a lot of it remaining. I just encounter, I encounter it uh, here and out on the road and other places. And people you think would know better. And I'm sure, you know, that us compared to somebody else, they'd think the same thing. Why don't he know better? But let's learn better. And then we'll know better. And then let's come on up. We, you know, when everybody around you is talking the same junk, you don't think it's junk. It just seems normal to you. But uh, uh, when the Lord shows you the truth, then you, you stand out. You're different now. And we're supposed to be. Matthew 6, Jesus teaching the disciples and us to pray. Verse 10, I believe it is. What did he say among other things? He said, pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth. Different. Huh? From heaven. God has a different will for us living in the earth. What's his will? Well, now, some would try to have us believe that God has made some people broke and poor and that it's his will for different reasons. But how does he live? How does he live? How is it in heaven? Are there any poor parts of heaven? Huh? When you get to heaven, will anybody say, you know, you know, you'll be all right as long as you stay over here, but don't go over there. Because that's, that's the rough part of heaven. <laughs> there is no rough, broke part of heaven. There is zero lack. And zero need. And he said pray. That his will would be done. On earth how? How? Do we believe that? Most of the church does not. Now. A couple of things. His will must not be. Being accomplished. In its entirety in the earth. Or he wouldn't tell us to pray. That it would be. So there's a lot of stuff happening down here that's not the will of God. 
Why? Simple. Man has a free will. And has used it wrongly. Has used it to rebel against God. And go their own way. And that's why you got all the chaos and junk. If everybody got saved. And everybody completely obeyed. Man this place would change overnight. And the Lord would come in and straighten this thing out. He's coming. It's happening. But we still got a lot of junk going on down here. And he's patient. Long suffering. Until more people come in and get in. Giving people time. To come in. Go with me to Revelation the 21st chapter. Let's talk about this some more. We need to talk about this. How does God live? Oh you know I'm moving too fast. Before you do that. You can hold your place there. Mark it somewhere if you want to. But. Let's go to Deuteronomy 15.4, or you can just look at it on the screen. Deuteronomy 15.4, the Lord told them to do certain things. He said, save when there shall be no poor among you. The uh, NIV says it like this, there should be no poor among you. Why don't you say that out loud? There should be... No poor among you. Say it again. There should be no poor among you. He said, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. And when you're blessed richly, it can be enough so that nobody is poor. Now he knew though. That they wouldn't do what he said. And in, in the 11th verse of the same chapter. Deuteronomy 15:11, There will always be poor people in the land. But that's not his will. As long as you live down here. There's going to be people that don't believe in Jesus. People that don't accept him. How could you say that's the will of God? It's not the will of God. But we don't let circumstances tell us what the will of God is. We let what he said tell us what the will of God is. And he said, as far as he's concerned, his will, we'll do what he told us to do. There should be no poor. And you see glimpses of it. In the very beginning days of the church, you remember it, don't you? In the very beginning days of the church, they all got born again. They all got filled with the Spirit. They all got full of love. Right? And the Bible said in Acts 4.34, Acts 4.34, it says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. Thousands of people got saved, and then other thousands. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of people in this church, and there was not one poor, broke person Is God big enough to do that? Glory to God. You know when he brought his people out of Egyptian bondage. The Bible said he brought them out with silver and with gold. And there was not one, not one feeble person among millions of people. Is it possible that among millions of people, not one sick person, not one broke person. This is sounding like heaven. 
Isn't it? Millions of people happy and free. Nobody sick. Nobody starving. Nobody broke. And it will never happen by the correct political party or correct people in office. Come on, are you listening to me? Or by right government. It will never happen by that. Because man cannot be your source and this come to pass. Only God can do this. And if you won't acknowledge him and give him place and believe him, it's just never going to happen. And sadly, the reason why they'll always be poor is because there's a whole lot of people who's never going to do that. They're never going to do that. And they don't want to believe and don't want to obey, but they want your blessing. Now, how many understand if you want the blessing of the obedient, but you don't want to obey? (laughs) Got yourself a dilemma. (laughs) And we're talking about millions of people there, right? (laughs) And that's another series. Third John 2, anybody remember this? I'll put it up on the screen for us, please. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? Third John 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things. That you may prosper. Could you take this as the word of God to you? Prosper. And be in health. Even as your soul prospers. Poverty is not God's will for me. Not God's will for you. Not God's will for anybody. Yeah well there's a lot of people broke. There must be some reason why. There's a lot of people lost. There must be some reason why. Because something exists. Does not prove it's the will of God. So all kind of junk exists that expressly displeases God. It's not his will, but he gave us a free will. You can't control everybody what they believe, but you can sure control what you believe. And you can believe the good news. And you can embrace it with all your being. And there's good news to the lost, there's good news to the sick, and there's good news to the poor. And we're going to hear the good news and we're going to shout about it in here. You know how we do it next week and the next week and the next month until we get so full of the good news to the poor. Until we will be poor no more. And it's not just about us having a bunch of stuff. It's about us getting to a place of ability. Glory to God to really preach this gospel, to, to really help people that are poor. Now think about this. If it's God's will for people to be, certain people to be poor, then it's wrong to help those poor. If God really, if it really was his will, he caused them to be that way and it's his will and he's doing something in their life. If you try to alleviate that poverty, you're trying to get them out of the will of God. You can't have it both ways. Got to make up your mind once and for all. If it's okay, if, if we're supposed to be broke, then quit being hypocrites. Let's be broke. I guess we'll meet on the side of the road or something. People say, well, we're poor, but we're proud. Both of those are evil conditions. Evil, evil conditions. And God will deliver you from pride and poverty. Come on. Come on. Do you believe it? heaven 
Is God inconsistent? Does it say, I'm going to do this, but you do that. I'm living well, but you live in a cardboard box. I live in glory. I live in splendor, but I want you to live in squalor. Millions believe it, some form of it. Let's just read a little bit of description of how he lives in Revelation 21, verse 18. Talking about the heavenly city. You and I are going to see this soon and very soon. We're going to see this. The building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was pure gold. Not gold leaf. Not gold plate. Pure from top to bottom and all the way through. Gold so pure is transparent. You never saw any gold like that. But you're going to. Verse 19, the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysophysis, jacinth, amethyst. 21. Twelve gates were twelve pearls. Didn't say uh, mother of pearl. Didn't say pearl coated, pearl painted. No. Each gate is a pearl. Was one humongous pearl. Are you okay with this? You sure? But not on the earth. Because God's will on the earth is something different. I mean, Christian, good people, good people, but they're confused. Good people, they hear somebody, uh, I know some years ago, a friend of mine got a dog. And it was a very exclusive uh, breed dog. I think it cost $15,000. <laughs> $15,000 dog. And a lot of people say, well, I bet my $10 dog is just as good. <laughs> my $50 dog probably better. He may be. I don't know. That is not the point. The point is, I heard so many people, and people told me, did you hear about so-and-so getting that dog? Is that ridiculous? That is ridiculous. Do you know how many people we could have fed with that? What are you against? What are you against? You're against $15,000 dogs. How about if it was your dog you sold? Are you still against... Fifteen thousand? No, you're not. <laughs> we begin to get some light, don't we? If it's not your fifteen thousand, what do you care? If the man wants to pay a hundred thousand for his dog and he likes the dog 
and he's happy, and the seller's happy, and the buyer's happy, and the dog's happy. Why would you be miserable and bitter and judging? Come on now, listen to me. Why? Why would you be? Why would you be? What are you against? You are you against nice things? Are you against expensive things? Are you just against him having it? Would it be okay if somebody else had it? Or you don't want anybody else to have one like that? Or what if you had it? Now see there's some messed up stuff here. And that's what we're talking about getting to the bottom of. And getting enlightened about. Why? Because remember we said what you're believing right now. Is either bringing good things to you. Or it is keeping good things away from you. And this judging and this poverty mentality is keeping good stuff away from the body of Christ. Now what if I said next Sunday, new project, new project. We're going to pave the parking lot in gold. Gold, I believe it'd be a good witness. I think it would minister to everybody that came could park and you know and they could go back and tell their friends I parked in a gold parking <laughs> parking spot now it's going to take a lot of money it's going to take millions and millions we're going to bring gold in here by the dump truck and we're going to pave this whole parking lot in gold uh huh how would people think what would they say oh <sighs> Makes me sick. Makes me sick. That's disgusting. Really? So when you get to heaven and you step out on the streets of pure gold, you're going to say, This is disgusting. Are you now? Well, that's different. Is it? God has a different will for heaven. And earth. See most all Christians would agree. Man the Lord's prayer. That's yeah. The Lord's prayer. Okay. Do you believe it or not? Pray. He said. Thy will be done. On earth. As it is. In heaven. How is it in heaven? It's great. It's it's great. Gold everywhere. Jewels the size of 18 wheelers. Come on, think about it. Pearls the size of buildings. You disgusted with that? Then why do you have a right to be disgusted with it on the earth? What are you against? You're against super nice stuff? You're against super expensive stuff? What are you against? We need revelation in these areas. Don't we? There's different sides of this to talk about, but we need to camp on this side for a while. Because there's been hundreds of years of lies told across pulpits in these areas. God has been misrepresented. Did you hear me? 
scriptures have been twisted and misunderstood. If somebody gets something that is off the chart, expensive and nice, why shouldn't we say, glory to God. Now that is nice. If we love them and they got the nicest one on the planet and they could do it, people say, well, yeah, but they could have done something else with that money. That is ugly. That is hypocritical. That is being a hypocrite. Did you listen to me now? First of all, do you know what they are doing with the rest of their money? Would it make any difference? See, most people that get mad about something nice that somebody has, they got not one clue whether they're tithing or giving or how much they're doing and don't care and don't want to know. So what's the problem? I want to take you back to heaven for just a moment here. (laughs) Oh, you need to read it again. Put it back up there. Verse 18. Put it back up there. Jasper. City was pure gold. Whole city. You talk about gold everywhere you look. Gold. Gold. You telling me these people are really going to get up there and go, oh, this is disgusting. Oh. It's just... You read about Jesus, and it says he had a gold band, not on his finger, across his chest. How many of these, you know, these superior Christians are going to say, oh, that's gaudy. You see that big band? Oh, oh, that's just gaudy. God has been lied about. God has been misrepresented. If God is the way a lot of theologians and preachers and Christians make him out to be, there'd be three kinds of flowers down here. And there'd be dark gray, medium gray, and light gray. How many kinds of flowers are there down here? One of the biggest lies you ever heard is that this planet cannot sustain its inhabitants. And that we're running out of all our resources. That is a lie, lie, lie. God did not make a planet that cannot sustain its inhabitants. You travel a little bit and you'll see. I mean, I've flown in the jet sometimes for two hours at 500 miles an hour and see two lights. It's everybody wants to live in the same little spot and pile up on each other. This, we have not begun to explore the resources of this planet. We don't have an idea of all the stuff that's here. And the Bible said you see his riches. Uh, Even in its cursed fallen condition. Imagine what it was like before the fall. I'm even in this state. The flowers, the plants, the variety, the color, the splendor. Why? Because you got a rich, rich Father God, and he don't do two or three and a half of anything. Come on, are you listening? He does everything by the millions, billions, and trillions, and overflow in abundance. How about the fish of the sea? How about the fish? Ain't no dark gray, medium gray, light gray. The, the splendor in the oceans. These are, these are insights into the one who made them. 
who he is, what he is, his will. But the devil has convinced people through religion and tradition. Oh, we should live a Spartan life. We should, you know. Do you think they're conserving water in heaven? Do you think they're telling them, oh, no, no, turn the thermostat up where you're hot because we need to save electricity up here. People think there's something spiritual about that. You know, because you scrimp by and you squeeze every penny and and you, you just, you know, that somehow that makes you a good person because, you know, you got by on less than anybody in your neighborhood this month. <laughs> Will there be any rewards for those that save the most money? You should see some of the looks I'm getting from across the crowd. People are going, well, I think maybe there will be. Find it. Find it. (laughs) People live small, narrow, cramped existence. Not because it's the will of God. Because of fear. And lack of faith. And narrowness of vision. And smallness of faith. I believe the Lord's telling us, stretch out on the left, stretch out on the right, lengthen your tin stakes, raise the roof, prepare, break out on the left and on the right. I'm a big God. Believe me for some big stuff. Hallelujah. I don't think we should do for the kingdom. Absolutely. But don't kid yourself. If you're stingy personally, you're stingy in the kingdom. That's just how you are. In order to break through in one, you've got to break through in the other. We're talking about emeralds the size of 18-wheelers. I'm not going to say that's disgusting when I see it. Are you? What are you going to... I'm going to say... Wow, that is an emerald. God, you are amazing. Wow, now that's a pearl. Woo, and it opens too. Oh, God, you do everything well. You are amazing. And he said, I am, he said, the thief comes to steal from you. And kill and to destroy. He said I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it abundantly. More abundantly. The Amplified says to the full. Until it overflows. That you might have and enjoy life. And it's not a witness. You and I are so tight and so stingy. and, And so broke all the time. Never have and always so tight. And the people we work with and the people we live around, they don't want that. They want the so-called American dream. What is that? It's something nice. Nice house to live in. Nice car to drive. Nice stuff for my kids and grandkids. Nice, nice, nice. But the church has told them, oh, that's bad. That's bad. You're not supposed to want anything nice. Lies. Lies. You're not supposed to be covetous. You're not supposed to be idolatrous. You're not supposed to seek these things ahead of God. You're not supposed to give them first place in your life. 
But that doesn't mean you can't have anything. Mm -mm. (laughs) Somebody say glory to God. How many want to hear some more of this? Next Sunday and the next. Are you okay with that? Can we get into this and just... I mean, believe God. Are you going to believe God with me for utterance? And Jesus said, the Spirit of God's upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Let me give you a brief glimpse of what we're going to be talking about to come. That was in Luke 4, just right after that, Luke 6. Luke 6, if you turn there. And verse 20, exactly what is the good news to the poor? Said he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed are you poor. Come on, think about this. People out in the crowd, they have not been able to do what they want to do and need to do. They have grown. The, the word for poor here means beggar. It means crouching, needing, lacking. Come on, think about it. It's more than just not having a bunch of money in the bank. It's not being able to do what you need to do. It's The Bible said the the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Is it God's will that you have to crouch before somebody else? That you be a servant to somebody else? That you can't do what you need to do, what he tells you to do? Huh? We're not just talking about having a bunch of stuff in your house and your garage. We're talking about ability. 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 God tells you to get up and fly halfway across the world and do something. Build a home. Build a church. Finance somebody. Pray for somebody. You don't have to say, well, I can't go. I, I got to work my three jobs and I got to, and I got to do this and I. Ability. We're talking about ability. We're talking about freedom. 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 You ain't got to, you're not concerned about the payment on your house because your house is paid for. Paid for. Hmm? You're not concerned. Somebody's going to take your car away if you don't make your payment this month. You ain't made payments in years. Did not the Lord tell us he's bringing us into the best shape of our lives? Well, that's what, that's where we are. That's why we're talking about this. This is the best shape of your life. Ability. Freedom. Somebody say freedom. Freedom Freedom to go and come when the Lord directs you to. Go where he says go. Stay as long as he says stay. Do what he says do. Underwrite. Pay off. Pay for. Take care of. We're talking about ability. And don't just sit there and think, well, it just sounds like just a a, a dream. dream. Dreams can come true. And that's, they start just like this. Hallelujah. They start, you know, I can hear the Lord today saying, who will volunteer for this? Who, who will, I need some people. I need some people that I can use that are not just locked in to a daily grind because of fear and lack of faith and vision. I need some people. 
I need some people that will believe I am big. I need some people that will let me do something with them and move them around in this country and move funds through their hands and do come on. I can hear him saying, who will go for me? Who? Who? You need to say, I volunteer. I, I volunteer. Here am I. Send me. Use me. But I'm telling you, before we are usable like we need to be, we got to get purged of some junk. You've already, we've already touched on it today. You got to get this junk out. What we're believing is either drawing and bringing great things to us, or it's keeping it away. It's keeping it away. He lifted up his eyes. What's good news to the poor? You may not have anything in your hand right now. You may not have ability or a good place to stay or something right now. But you have been given the kingdom. Oh, you just need to find out what Jesus has already done for you and what he's already given you. Go over to the 12th chapter. He says it like this over in the 12th chapter. He was telling them, he says, don't, t- don't take any thought and don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or what you're going to put on because the whole unsaved world is looking for this and running after this and seeking after this. But if you will seek first my kingdom and my right way of being and doing things, I will add all of these things. That's not being broke. Come on. I will add all of these things to you. You hear preachers saying, well, we may not need all those things. He just got through saying, the Lord knows you have need of all these things. He said he knew you needed it. Well, I'm going to agree with him. If he says I need it, then I need it. Don't let some unbelieving preacher tell you otherwise. We're talking about red letters in the New Testament. What Jesus said. He said, the Father already knows you have need of all these things. didn't say you didn't need it. He said, he already knows you do. And verse 32, come on, look at it. He summed it up by saying this. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, to a man, to a woman that's got nothing, had nothing, grew up broke, Multiple, multiple generation of poverty. This is some good news. Come on now. This is. I know it was good news the first time I heard it. I remember Phyllis and I in our little 1969 Marriott mobile home with no insulation in it. Nothing worked. Stove didn't work. Nothing worked. And we heard that Christ had redeemed us Hallelujah. from the curse of the law. Yes. And begin to actually get an inkling that God cared about us having some stuff. And cared about and would give us some nice things. I thought, no, yeah, huh? What? He cares about this stuff? He will do this? Hadn't got over it yet. (laughs) 
And I want you to know he has done it. He has brought this little country boy a long ways from where we were. And I don't believe he's through. Come on. Do you believe he will bring you out of the dunghill? And what the Bible said, he brings the poor out of the dunghill. That means the junk heap, the trash pile, the garbage pile, and sets him with princes. Even the princes of his people. I'm out of time, but go to one of the scriptures. Second Corinthians. We're talking about what is the good news to the poor. Well, the good news is he's already given you the kingdom. And in the kingdom is everything you will ever need. You have already been blessed with all blessings in heavenly places. He's already given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The Bible said he gives us richly all things to enjoy. He shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Huh? They that seek the Lord will not want any good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do we believe these verses? Isn't it amazing how you can quote something all your life and, and just go right over it, not even see it, not even acknowledge it. Second Corinthians, the eighth chapter. This is redemptive language. Obviously, redemptive language. He said, Second Corinthians 8, 9, is that what it is? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace, aren't we? Through his grace and our faith. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Was he rich? He was in that place of splendor. That you and I have been talking about. With the father. Wasn't he? And he left that place. And took on flesh. And was born like other men. In an animal stall. This poverty. At the end, they took his clothes away from him. Now, did he do that for himself? Did he need to do that for himself so he could get something? He had everything, right? Was he rich before he came down? We don't even know what that means, how rich. But he left it. And the Bible said he emptied himself. He walked through this life and didn't have a place to to lay his head. I heard somebody criticizing a while back. Some person had got a nice home and uh, they were a minister. And they said, oh, isn't that awful? You know, Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. And you immediately want to think, well, do you have a place to lay your head? Then you must be a hypocrite. Right? If you really believe, since Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head, then you shouldn't have a place to lay your head. Then you ought not have a place to lay your head. Or you ought to hush. One of the two. But here's the big question. Did Jesus not have a place to lay his head so we would not have a place to lay our head? Why do so many people believe that? Was he born in a stable so all our kids could be born at the stockyard? Come on now, people. I want to be. You should be just like Jesus. Okay. 
He never got married. He never had a house. He never had property. He didn't travel outside of his local area. He only lived and never lived to 40. How far are you going to follow him? See, this is confusion. This is hypocrisy. We must differentiate between what Jesus suffered as our substitute and what he did as our example. Come on, are you listening? Because he did some things showing us this is what you are to do. You're to follow in my steps. Other things he did so we would not have to do. Come on, are you listening? He went to the heart of the earth. Huh? I'm not going. I'm not going. Not so I could go. He became sin. Not so I could sin. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. Not so I could be sick. He took the chastisement of my peace. Not so I could be depressed. And distracted. But so I could have the peace. That passes understanding. Keeping my heart in mind. And read the rest of this verse. Come on read the rest of this verse. Jesus though he was rich. Who did he do it for? Yet for your sakes. He became poor. So that you could be poor too. Just like him. Mm -mm. It is not what the New Testament says. It is not redemptive reality. That is religious tradition that people have twisted. And it's no wonder the devil has pushed this so hard. Because if he can keep you broke and sick, he can keep you from making a dent on this earth. He can keep you from being able to go anywhere, do anything. And even if you had money, you wouldn't feel like doing it. Oh, but friend, saved, full of the spirit, body healed and strong, plenty of money in your pocket. We can go and we can do. We can labor from early to late. We can go anywhere. We can do anything. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too hard. Why? Because he became poor. Not so I could be poor. But that we, through his poverty, might be rich. This is not a dollar amount. This is going to vary from person to person. This is not about having huge funds just sitting in the bank so you can say, I'm rich. It's going to be different things for different people. But you can know this. It's about always having all sufficiency in every area and plenty to give. It's about everything you need and want to do and need to do that he tells you to do. You got plenty. You got extra. You got abundance. And anything less is not the will of God. And does not please him and is not right. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, 
visit our website at morelife.org.